Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. And after a lot of long months and weeks, it is game week in Cincinnati. It's a glorious thing. I was at practice today. I left practice. I went to my, my favorite spot in the city to eat. I came home and I dined, feasted like a king. My second favorite spot in the city, though, is the Holy Grail Banks. And that's where we will be having a watch party Saturday as the Bearcats take on Austin P at noon. And then another watch party the following Saturday as the Bearcats host Army at 3.30, either on ABC or on ESPN. So plenty of opportunity for you to get out to the Holy Grail and uh, get your Bearcat on as the season returns the next two Saturdays. We've got Dave Simone here, as always. We've also got a very special guest, none other, none other than our very own Brent Young, joins us this week. Gentlemen, how are you? Excellent. I'm uh, thrilled to be invited on this ever-so-popular and uh, game-changing podcast on this glorious <laughs> inaugural week, so... Uh, Let's get it going. Dave, I missed Island Fridays, buddy. Oh. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff we miss without being able to go to higher ground, go to practice. That was uh, – I've been trying to map it out for uh, a couple weeks to, to hit Island – Brent, you don't know about Island Fridays, do you? Fill me in. No, I heard about it. You mentioned it last year, but I didn't get the full spiel. Okay, so do you remember a cat named Leo Morgan? Sounds familiar, but no. I feel like Brent's too young. Leo Morgan was a, a, a junior college All-American. Okay. <clears throat> and he played two years at UC. And uh, he would, on Fridays, he was from Jamaica. Lord have mercy. <laughs> We're at in Jamaica. Down by the beach, boy. Um, <laughs> but on Fridays, he would cook for the team. And they, they, they deemed those Fridays Island Fridays. So then when his career ended, he opened up a spot up on Short Vine called okay. Island Fridays. Island Fridays. And, wow. And, and they make incredible Jamaican food. So I got the, uh, I got the jerk chicken, which mm-hmm. I always get. I get the rice and peas, which uh, Jamaicans call beans peas. So it's, it's really basically red beans and rice, but it's rice and peas. Here's, there's a secret, though. Okay. You got to order the rice and peas with gravy. Wow. The gravy is just the broth from the oxtail stew that they ladle out and then dump all over the peas and rice. Phenomenal. And then they do uh, – they, they have steamed cabbage. That's, I don't like cabbage, really. I'm not a big cabbage guy. The steamed cabbage I could eat a vat of, okay, and, and then fried plantains. That that's that's my go-to meal at Island Fridays, and I haven't had it in like n- nine months. So I was in heaven today <laughs> when I came home from practice. This podcast is not sponsored by Island Fridays, but he's former Bearcat. We can give former Bearcats yeah. all the love that we want if they want to sponsor this podcast. The food segment uh, of this podcast could be sponsored by Island Friday. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Absolutely. They changed the process, Dave. They've got a little uh, a walk-up window now. Uh, so you just walk up, you order. Yeah. Well, that's good. I think Chad's uh, internet maybe just froze. But, yeah, I was about to say, that's right up my alley. If it's, no, it's, a, it's, it's very good. If it's an Italian – so I like an Italian beef, but I like it drenched. I like it dipped, soaked. Yeah. All of the above. So Chad's whole gravy on top, ladled on, that's, uh, that's right up my alley. Just, you know, the, the wetter the better. Just, just go at it, fork and knife it, I'm in. So this, is, this is a kid's show, Brett. Come on. You're, you know you're, you're going to get us banned five minutes in. You know what I meant. You know what I meant. Family affair here. <laughs> Actually, this time, uh, they're in the styrofoam containers. Right. And, you know, they got the big thing and then the two little – well, the, 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 the second side one is never really used. Today, they put extra gravy in there. Boom. Boom. Yeah, Spoon it out. This must it out be on the rice. foreshadowing for a, a win Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Something along those lines. Uh, it was, it was, it was outstanding. Chad, your internet is, is failing again. But anyway, so, Brett, you have been writing some great pieces on position breakdowns. Kind of fill everybody in on the impetus of that, you know, how you came up with that. Yeah, I, you know, it actually, uh, I'll give a little hat tip to uh, Mr. Chad Brendel himself. I was, uh, I was on my way back from South Carolina. He caught me in Charlotte on a connecting flight and actually just pitched the whole idea of instead of just doing a complete, you know, position preview. Somebody but, stole our position previews that <laughs> I won't, I won't necessarily say who, Yeah. Uh, but they might work for a company that starts with a, uh, so we had to come up with something well. new, he, yeah. he is, but he did steal our position previews. Right. So right. we had to come up with something new. And, and so, yeah, I, I love the idea. Thought of, thought it would, you know, at least spark some conversation and just be, uh, be a cool tool. And, you know, I, I plan on maybe, you know, kind of adjusting it throughout the season. Maybe it's after the first three games, first four games, whatever. I think it, it would, I think it would also be a cool little, uh, feature or, uh, something to incorporate in your Brent's bits, maybe, or Brent's the, the Bearcat bounce. Yep. Um, yep. not necessarily a full overhaul, right. but like, Hey, last week so and so flashed in the secondary. Maybe when I update the 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 you know the position battles, yep. maybe this is a guy to keep an eye on. Heavy risers, so, things like that. Right. Yeah, no doubt. So it it was kind of just more of a fun way to to kind of look at it, and then it kind of shows how deep each position really is, which I, is the main thing I think about this team is just the depth overall. You you look at the the power rankings, quote unquote, and it's extremely powerful part of the pun from from top to bottom and it's a that's the most impressive thing about this team I think when you broke them down were there any surprises like I, I'm surprised I have this guy lower or this guy higher you know once you actually sat down and kind of ranked them yeah I, I mean you look at obviously the two strongest positions and uh, position groups I think out of the whole team and, and the defensive backs and the defensive line. And you look and it, you're at, you know, the fifth or sixth player and, you, and you're mentioning the, the leading sack returner and Michael Pitts as, you know, the fifth or sixth player 
in the defensive line room. And then you look at also, you know, Javon Hicks having, having his piece and in, in nine turnovers last year, just a, a crazy number for, for any player at any level. And you see him, he's, he's sitting at fifth as well. It just shows you the, the, the depth and the, the amount of, you know, ways that, that Marcus Freeman, of course, can use all these different players and, and kind of plug and play and, and really, you know, play around with some cool lineups. But, you know, kind of just seeing, hey, wow, this, this guy has a lot of potential. And also he's only a sophomore and you see him within the top five, but the, the four in front of him are just spectacular, you know? And so just kind of the depth and, and kind of seeing on the defensive line and the defensive backfield as well, just how, how strong and, and deep both of those are. Where did you have the most difficulty at the top? Oh, it's no, no doubt defensive backfield. Uh, I had sauce. I'm on sauce Gardner sitting number one the entire time I did the write up. And then I just thought in my mind, you know, what's, what's one, one intangible that you really can't have in college sports that, that you really need in college sports in, in order to succeed. And that's just, you know, kind of consistency and, and senior leadership. And so, I, I kind of looked at it as a 1A and 1B and for how talented Sauce is and, and how he's going to obviously be under, under a microscope this season, don't get me wrong, but still has the lookings of, of an NFL cornerback. But you know, I just couldn't, couldn't resist putting Derek Forrest at the top spot. I mean, just the, the rise that he had to leave, to leave the team in tackles as a safety. Some might say, okay, that's not very good. That just means they're getting to that third level a lot. But – no, he was coming up. He was filling at the second level a lot. He, he was huge in the UCF game. We're looking at 16 tackles in that Central Florida game. Everyone talks about the pick six from Sauce. But if you miss some of those tackles at the second and the third level that Derek Forrest was able to make, you're looking at big plays as well for Central Florida. So, I, you know, it was, it was back and forth. And, and right before I sent the chat, I, I moved Derek Forrest back up to the top spot and, and moved Sauce down to, to 1B. It was 1A and 1B on that one. Were you surprised nobody disputed it? Yeah, because I, I, I thought you would hear a lot of people like, "What are we talking about?" Sauce isn't number one, and everybody I think was kind of like, "You know what, Dave?" But everybody looked at it. No, and I'm said, saying I wouldn't have had either of them at number one. You'd have Wiggins at number one. Correct. Which is so, what I said. I I said that this was heading into last season, and Wiggins had the exact same season that he had. I would then probably have Wiggins as the surefire number one. Right. There's the un- unknown of the response to not playing for a year and all of that. Um, right. It has, has to be taken into consideration, but I probably still would have had him at number one. But that right there tells the story of the incredible depth in this secondary is you've got, I, I think all three are NFL guys. Yeah. Well, here, here's the funny thing is, like, so say we have this season and it, and it goes off and, yes, there's already been postponements and whatever for the league, but say that we do end up with, like, everybody plays their 10, league ga- 10 games at some point or eight league games at some point. And all those, those three guys all play well. I mean, no, maybe nothing crazy, but they all have really good years. And we know that, like, a Richie Grant at UCF, KJ Sales at USF, I'm not as familiar with the other DBs besides those guys, but, like, 
they have to kind of add positions to like an all conference team, don't they? I mean, how are you going to keep like all those guys? Who's who are you going to say is second team in that of the in that group? Like, are you just going to have two safeties and say either Wig, Forrest, or Richie Grant isn't first team? I mean, they're all draftable players. They're I mean, Richie Grant might be the most draftable player of the whole group right now. I mean, going into the year. And it's just crazy to think like one team has three guys that should probably be first team all conference in the secondary. Yeah, but the craziest thing, just real quick, is that after Wiggins, you know, spectacular year two seasons ago, he was second team all AAC, which, you know, I don't know the was criminal. Yeah, yeah, I don't know the nuts and bolts behind who all got the. The you know the safety spots the, ahead of him. On the the guy team, ended so. three games with a pick, including right. a pick, a walk off pick six. Like yeah, he's not first team. Come on, come on. I know. So so I think we've run into the same situation, Dave. We're like right. all of a sudden we're we're scratching our head where the the stats were a lot better, or or the performance overall was a lot better, but you slide someone else into first team and. Someone else still gets that second. Well, team. it could definitely like team team record could definitely come into play then. Like if KJ could be great and USF might be terrible, and maybe right. they're like we just can't. You know, we're not going to vote him if UC plays UCF in the championship or something. Yeah, I also think, and and I mean, maybe I'm crazy for going back out on this limb. I think Kobe's going to have a really really good senior year. I, I think he is much better suited to, to play that field spot. Well, the Where thing maybe, is, he's going to probably get a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Which is – I mean, that's good. I mean, you – They're not picking on sauce much. They're not throwing at sauce. I mean, I wouldn't. So, your other option is to throw at, you know, a nickel or the other corner. And he's going to get opportunities, which I'm sure that's what he wants. I mean, every DB wants – I mean, as good as Sauce is, in a moment of truth, I doubt he's like, yeah, I don't want them to throw at me. Like, he wants no, he wants to thrown yeah. at him. So, like, I'm sure Kobe's the same way. Yeah. And Probably. That's the crazy thing also. If, if you do the, the power rankings after, you know, not going into last season, you probably have Kobe second behind Wiggins. And, and you know, with, you know, yeah. mano mano with with Forrest. You know, and then Cam Jeffries at, at the four slot. So, I I mean, the, the Kobe Bryant season last year is, is just so – it'll always be one of the kind of crazy things to me because it did seem like a lot of times that he was targeted at. It, the opposing receiver just made a great catch. I mean, you could see it, you know, undercutting Kobe, and Kobe's right behind him, catches it and tackles him right away, different things of that sort. But, you know, it was it, – Interesting heading into last season, we had Kobe as high as we did. And now, as you mentioned, he's, he's fourth, but still, I think he's going to have a great season as well. I think, you know, he's kind of in the, in, not really in the shadows, but doesn't have the limelight set on him. So it's going to definitely be one of those where he kind of just quietly gets a lot of solid work done. Yeah. And I just moving him off the boundary. I mean, I, he doesn't have the one thing that makes sauce, I think so special is his length because it, it just seems like there are times when he's beat or, you know, a, a, a normal human would be beat in that situation. 
where he's able to go, go gadget arms and, and get a hand in there and knock the ball away or, you know, make a play last second where Kobe just didn't, doesn't have that freakish, mm-hmm. you know, reach that, that sauce has. And that's in that boundary spot. I mean, that's critical because they're, that's where the number one guy is. So they're coming at you relentlessly when you're guarding the number one guy, especially in the American where the number one guy, like, so, I mean, we've seen, you know, what that guy from ECU had 600 catches in a game. It felt, yeah. So I, I, the secondary is really interesting. Um, and a lot of fun when you start looking up and down, like you sitting at practice today and today was mostly scout team work all day, you know, game prep. And you've got DRA McDonald and uh, you've got uh, Sammy Anderson and, and Todd Bumpfus, guys that are all super talented that are out there working on scout team with, you know, working against the first team. So um, interesting for years to come, but uh, we don't, we don't get to see a unit like this very often. Dave, who you got this secondary We'll, we'll, we'll spark this debate here for a few minutes. This secondary or the secondary of Haruki, Brandon Underwood, D'Lo, and Mike Mickens? Uh, it's, that's hard. I mean, <laughs> the main reason I think it's hard is that even though it's only been 10, 11 years, the style of playing college football is just it's totally changed so different. much. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying those guys couldn't have done it, but like, especially in the league you season, like it's totally different than the Big East was. Um, for no, the no. most part, I mean, you had your teams that that threw the ball, but well, I mean, you know, Brian you Kelly have, was Brian Kelly was one of the ones that revolutionized right. college football. You didn't have UCF, Memphis, SMU, Tulsa, all kind of running this variation of the air raid um i i think i think the corners are close i would give the nod to the safeties with this group um i think there's more athleticism more playmaking ability with wig and forest the corners i mean that's a tough one they're Mickens was was pretty damn good. I mean, and D'Lo was pretty damn good, <laughs> right? I'm saying, like, they were both real, real good. And and I, I don't want to be a, a prisoner of the moment. Um, you know, Sauce. I mean, I, has, we would we would all pick D'Lo over Kobe. I would think, right? Yes. Senior D'Lo over senior Kobe. Yeah. And I would still probably pick senior Mickens over Mickens sophomore right now Sauce. because I mean as good as Sauce was like now everybody's got tape now everybody's had not just a week to prep for him or three weeks to prep for him they have a year so we'll see and now that you're the guy you're the known dude okay now now what do you do it's a, it's a lot easier just you know to lay in the weeds so to speak and and have the great year he did. I'm not taking anything away from him, but now you have to do it again because we saw Mike do it year over year. So yeah. you would lean I away. Mm, pro- probably just because we're talking about one of the main guys 
only being a sophomore. A true sophomore. Right. So, I mean, I only have half, well, not even a year, like half of a year of like significant snaps to go on. You in the same thought process, Brent? Yeah, I, I think uh, hands down the safeties are, are better this year. Um, Haruki, obviously. Haruki was it's pretty damn good. He's he's well, yeah, he's a legend. I but... always, I mean, I always loved the guy strictly for the sumo bomb yeah. he gave the USF guy <laughs> right. game, right? But and he, I mean, he he made he made a mark in the NFL too. Like I don't think we should overlook yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't for his health, he probably would have been a guy that spent 10, 12 years in the NFL at worst as a special teams ace. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, I definitely agree with that, which is what I think that both I, – I think Forrest can be that. Um, yeah. And then you just look at Wiggins is just in a, in a league of his own as far as, as safeties go. I, and then, it, like you I said – I didn't – and I didn't – I don't know what happened. I I saw it, and then I forgot about it or something. But Dane Brugler from The Athletic, he's their big draft guy. And he had done – this is probably three weeks or, or so ago – Right. Um, kind of a breakdown of the safeties in college, the seniors and the projected early entrant guys. And he had Wig as the number five senior safety. So that put him, I think, around like nine or ten total. You usually don't see safeties unless they're elite, elite, go in the first round. There's usually a couple in the second couple in the third so like right now going into the season he probably would project in the fourth or fifth round third, yeah um obviously a big part of that is seeing how he comes back from the injury and everything like that you just don't you're not going to put a guy ahead of other guys that you know unless he's the clear-cut like number one player um without a year of film so but i still think i mean He's he's got a draftable grade right now, and I mean, I I doubt it's going to go down, assuming no, well, no, he, other, no other injuries. So, if he gets a combine, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, he's, he's he definitely benefits from stuff like that. I feel like, from my standpoint, that the importance of that is getting more and more phased out. The, the real thing that that does is from, is just the medical standpoint. Um, yeah, but if he runs a, a high 4-3, busts out a 43-inch vertical and, and right. rips off 25 on the bench press, like – Oh, it's not going to – I'm saying it's not going to hurt, but, like – They still fall in love with the freaks. You right. don't just see – you don't see, like, the crazy, like, overdrafting of guys yeah. anymore just because they did one thing really good at the combine. I mean, it can help. It can hurt obviously but but see Dave that's where I think the difference is with Wig is it won't be one thing no he's, he's gonna but they already know he's gonna do all that stuff yeah I mean the the more surprising thing would be if he went there and didn't do true because I mean he's been on Bruce Feldman's freaks list for two years maybe even three 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 years three so years yeah he's not like some surprise you know and UC's been good the last two years he's not a, a surprise he's not like I think then, like there were a couple of safeties from like really small schools that blew up the combine that got. I think the Patriots maybe drafted one in the second round this year, um, but like 
that those are the like ones that go there and are like, holy cow, this guy just broad jumped eleven seven or something. We gotta now we gotta study this guy more. They already know all that stuff on him. Yeah. It's just a matter of like checking the boxes of okay, he can still do all that after you know his injury. All right, back to the uh, the, the rankings. Is there anybody you already think since publishing that maybe you would have shifted as we've gotten closer to the season, the official two deep is out, uh, information has changed on some stuff. Mm-hmm. I've finally gotten to go to a couple practices. Is there anything you'd look back on now and say, maybe I'd move this guy around, maybe I'd move that guy around? Yeah, I, I've got two that right away. Um, one is a simple one, Vinny McConnell up, John Williams down a little bit. And then the other one, obviously, is going to be the, the surprise. I'd say after the whole John Williams experiment, probably one of the bigger surprises coming out of camp. And that's just, you know, moving into Sean Pace kind of as a solidified second team. He's kind of, you know, they've got that Ty Van Fossen or Deshaun Pace. So kind of having Pace just even up there in the conversation and because that that linebacker group was kind of just a big unknown, obviously heading into Camp Higher Ground, and then all of a sudden you're you're seeing Pace getting a lot of talk and and just you know different players coming in and, and, and performing well, you know Brody Engel as well, different different players like that moving around. So I obviously those two would be two two big movers for me. Dave, anybody you think uh, maybe? Should be a little higher anywhere. Any disagreements with uh, with Brent? No, I don't think so. I think Brent probably nailed him pretty, pretty close to uh, where they should be. I don't have, do you have any big disagreements? No, I think running back, I think, you know, maybe as things shake out are going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, well, there were a couple times today when Chuck got the ball. He practiced without a knee brace today. These, these dudes are just, I mean, like, <coughs> we have, us, us old guys have still have a hard time getting it out of our heads. Was, like, oh, yeah, ACL injuries. Like, that's like a six-month deal now. That used to be, like, career-ending. Then yeah. it was 18 Year months. Long. Then yeah. it was maybe you can get back for the next, next year. Now it's like, eh, no problem. He hit. He hit that top gear he has a couple times today, where you're just like, Ooh. I don't know if he, I don't, I don't know exactly what he's gonna do on the tough yards when there's nine guys in the box and you got to get two. But he's not, a, he's not getting the ball then, right? True. <laughs> I mean, true. But there are just a couple times when you see him hit that top speed where it's like, my goodness, you, you flash back to Virginia Tech. Or he take, takes one little dump. Yeah. Zoom. And the Virginia Tech guys, those guys look like they were in quicksand as he ran through that defense. Well, I mean, they are an ACC team. It's, I mean, outside of fair. Clemson, that's kind of the whole league, right? It's fair. It's fair. I'm not going to disagree with that. But I'm just saying, I think there was a reminder on him. And it's, to me, I mean, that's, that's the most interesting thing of this season is how they use that running back room. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chuck is – you look at Chuck coming out of uh, high school. He's, he's got two offers from the SEC, and then 
If you wanted to play in, corner, he'd have been in the SEC. I mean, I, I look at him, and this is not like comparing his game, but more so just the way that they're used. I would love to see him used uh, like Austin Eckler from the Chargers, who takes about 35 to 40% of his snaps at wide receiver. Um, and then Alvin Kamara is the other one that kind of he's well, he Eckler plays doesn't more, do that anymore. More tradi- he's more traditional running back, but Eckler did that. He, Eckler doesn't do that anymore now that he's he's well, the he, guy. He has to because they don't have any wide receivers. True. <laughs> if Mike Williams hadn't played this week, I think they had like no receivers that had two more than two career catches in the NFL. Like that was last year. He. He took 35% of the snaps at, at wide receiver. Um, I just, I'd just i love to just see them get him more involved in, like, the straight passing game, you know, versus, like, putting him in and then throwing him a screen where the defense is like, okay, well, he's in the game now. He's going to get the ball. Right. Because if he's, if he's only going to – you know, if he's the change to pace guy and he's going to play, say, 15 to 20 snaps, you're not going to put him in and then not <coughs> give him the ball most of the time. So hopefully we see a little maybe slot action, a little quick screen, tunnel screen, stuff like that. He can he can go just having you put it in his belly too. I'm just For saying. Sure. I'm just I saying. I mean, imagine imagine him and then Trey out there together with with a couple of receivers on the outside. But if you have him in with one of the other running backs, kind of like I'd love I'd love to see him in my, with De- yeah. Dez in the shotgun. You got no idea what they're, you know, what they're going to do. Yeah. I'd love to see him and Montgomery back there together or him and maybe Ford back there together. Oh yeah. I know with Dokes too. Yeah. I think Dokes is going to be like your feature back type. Go ahead and give coach Denbrock my number and tell him I'd be happy to (laughs) send him some of these play ideas. Yeah. I'm probably not. Probably not. I, I, I mean, he's our, you know, I don't know how much the leash I have with him. I booed him walking off the field every time last year, every game. Oh, well, they didn't score very many points in the second half of the season. I know. People were hard on him, and I told him I was, I was, I was being their voice. It's your fault. So anytime what? I saw him coming off the field after a game, I'd boo him. You know, whenever you have <laughs> a, a Twitter made, a fake Twitter, and it's you, that's when you know you're doing something right. You've made it. You've made it, baby. <laughs> You know what I love about Denbrock? You can always tell what kind of day he's having by the way his hat is. Like he's like a he's like a sixteen year old. The hat's on front ways, like pretty and, mellow, and, pretty mellow. And very day. straight, like yeah. it's on front pretty, and very straight. Pretty mellow day. When it's backwards and like all, he pulls that thing down. all the way down. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's a little bit more rowdy of a day. That's like I'm, uh, I'm about to hit the pontoon after uh, <laughs> practice, so let's not screw around. Um, I mean, I don't know how much more roster stuff we have. Like, I, I think. There really wasn't we, anything to me surprising about the two. On the two deep? No, I mean, I, I, mean, well, I mentioned that it was, in, it was just kind of interesting at first glance that this is probably the first time I can remember that the two deep offensive line, everybody was over 300 pounds. There's. There's always usually that backup or even starter that's like 285, 290. And I don't know if that necessarily means anything. 
from a competitive standpoint. No, I think, play it, standpoint, I think it means But it just shows physically. that, you know, you want to be considered elite. You want to be considered up there with the with the best. I mean, nobody that we're trying to go to go to bowl games with, they're in the college football playoff. They don't have 275-pound offensive linemen. So it's just another sh- another step of progression from the program of morphing from the get some big guys and develop to, okay, we got the big guys. Now we're just kind of fine-tuning. Who was it that um, that came in here? They had an NFL back. They're from the West Coast. Why is it escaping me? UCLA, Josh Kelly. No, a couple years, a, a while back. Um, damn it. Was it New Mexico or Fresno? Fresno State. Fresno, Fresno, State. Fresno, Fresno State. had Ryan Matthews. He was like two hundred forty-five pounds in college. Yeah, but their entire offensive line was monstrous. Yeah, and and you knew that like their game plan was just they were going to just lay on you all day, and they did, and it was effective and. Yeah, that must work. Physically, I think we're seeing UC get to that point. If not for Craig Carey. Yeah. <laughs> Friend a, of the podcast, Craig Carey. But, you know, hey, kind of piggybacking off what you were saying, Dave, is, is also, you know, where kind of Tommy T like to bring in the projects and kind of just see if he could mold them into some sort of a stud offensive lineman. I, I mean, I think what Lawrence Metz and – and Dylan O'Quinn are the two non-traditional offensive linemen that were recruited in. But Matt uh, O'Quinn was the size of an offensive like right. O'Quinn played offensive he line. Played, he, he just, just they just listed them as a tight end because they ran like nine offensive I saw linemen. I catch a, a couple of passes on, on film back. before I made the statement. <laughs> Believe me, I saw. But but no, like like you said, you're used to seeing a couple of just just random like. Yeah, this guy. Yeah, they're bringing in O linemen. Yeah, yeah, they're bringing in big, strong O linemen, which is why the John Williams story kind of really took off. Is because you know you think true freshman, you think okay, this guy's probably got to put on some weight and some strength, but you know, he's what six foot, six foot five, three hundred right off the he's, bat. He's the lightest you know, one. You know, you know what's what's freaky is uh, the center Renfro Jake. Renfro, yeah. yeah. He could pass for Morgan James' child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Morgan James it's, is old enough. He might be. Right. It's, fright- <laughs> it's frightening when you see – I saw him again today, and we were laughing about it. Like, he just looks like 18-year-old Morgan James. Like, dead on him. Probably a little shorter. Morgan was a big – Yeah, Morgan's big, like 6'5". Yeah. Uh, Jake's 6'3", so a little bit. But, I mean, dead ringer. And when you guys see his face, you'll like when you see him in person, you'll be like, "Oh my god, it's little." Like I think Morgan would probably unlikely because there's a guy that claims to be Jake's dad that I was talking to on Twitter today, Um, and and uh, Morgan probably would have had to have been like twelve when he was conceived. So I don't. It's it's probably not Morgan James' child, but it is freaky when you see him in person how much. He looks like Morgan James. Well, you know, Jake's dad played on on an Illinois Rose Bowl team offensive line, so uh, yeah, pedigree is completely there. 
but hypothetically, like we we think Jake's no, dad. Yeah. It could be Morgan James. He's, he's <laughs> we should probably get like a twenty-three and me. Yeah, uh, no, we're let's send him to Maury. <laughs> I like it. Oh crap! All right, well, I mean, I, I think that's where we're at on the roster. I, I, you know, I wanted to to have Brent on because he he did want to to make this a continuous thing, and I think it can make for a fun uh, storyline as the season progresses on where guys are at. Um, I, I, I think you executed it perfectly, my friend. And, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes people don't, people don't realize the process Brent and I have, uh, but it's a lot of like ideas bouncing back and forth off of each other. Right. And Brent is very good at, uh, taking the idea, turning it into something, and then we'll get the first one and discuss and, and what worked, what we think worked, what we think didn't work, what needed, you know, maybe tweaked a little bit. And then by the, the second draft or the, the second time, uh, it's exactly on point. And I think that was definitely a series that the members loved because position by position, it was fun. Mm -hmm. And I think it gave people a lot of, like you said, insight as to, holy crap, this team is deep, like frighteningly deep in terms of, yeah, it's pretty old this year. But Luke's kind of got this thing in a place now where it's like, like, get old, stay old, which has always been the uh, the downside of this program is that every time they get old, uh, they're not ready to replace it, and then a coach leaves, and half the roster graduates, half the the contributors are more graduate, and then uh, you're stuck trying to 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 refill the cupboard, but. Uh, Brent, would you say your overall takeaway is the the cupboard looks fine at this yeah. point in time? Oh, I was I was getting ready to to say it. every single time I mentioned a, a position coach, I was going to say that he was left with a strong cupboard. The cupboard was not empty, but I, I figured that I would say that too much and make a lot of people uh, uh, hungry. Uh, uh, and before you know uh, it, Dave's snacking at at you know five a.m. when he's reading the stories. But no, I. I agree. And like you said, when I gave you that first copy, you, you give me the good feedback, kind of like when I sent you the Austin P preview and it was 15 pages long. And you said, well, Brent, we don't need that much on the, uh, on the governors. Have I told you the story on my dad about my dad? Oh, my Wait, hold dad. On. You get, you wrote a preview with, for Austin P that was like longer than two paragraphs. Last year. Oh, oh yeah. I'm completely joking. <laughs> No, but he did do that, like, when he first started doing the game previews. And my dad told me um, – we were driving down to Marshall last year, and we were just talking about things, and I mentioned that you had been doing a really good job and, you know, that we were working with you on your word count. And uh, my dad said it took him uh, four different sittings to read the preview from the week before. Yep. Like, he had to literally go back four different times and be like, all right, where did I leave off? Like he was reading a book. Well, I, I asked you the first time I was like, are you paying him by the word? Cause if you are, I need to renegotiate my contract. <laughs> we got it there though. I mean, I we just send out, there. I just send out tweets. I'm limited to like 280 characters. You better not be paying by the word. <laughs> if I get a, if I get a, if I get a Brent story, that's under four pages, I'm like, you're, I call him like, you're all right. <laughs> 
yeah, or something? Yeah. So were, you, was, were you occupied? Like, did you have something going on this week? Only the funniest thing is, like, I, I, I sit down and I start writing, and, and my entire goal was to, like, keep it under a certain amount. And then, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa. What? 10,000 <laughs> words? Like... <laughs> 4,000. There's no, there's no way you can be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to keep this one under. And it just happened to, all, <laughs> happened to go over. It's wild. I know. It, it's gotten better. It's an, it's an it has gotten process. better. <laughs> there's no doubt. Oh, uh, All right, brother. Well, we, we greatly appreciate you hopping on today. I know you, you're, a, you're a socialite in, in the Indianapolis social scene. Uh, so it's a, it's a Tuesday night. I'm sure you've got plans. You know what? Um, sure, sure. I'll, I'm sure I'll come up with something. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a wild world out here. But Tuesday night, we'll call it a Brenty Tuesday. How about that? Something along those lines. <laughs> hey, have you gone back up and gotten those donuts uh, anytime recently? Well, no. I, I think I told you. So, so the funny thing is, my a guy that I broadcast with. I do some high school broadcasting in Indiana. And uh, one of the guys I broadcast with, his mom is that family. Oh Taylor wow! Donuts. So all of a sudden, I'm, I'm all of a sudden he he will bring them into every broadcast the, meeting we the, have. The or, peanut butter fluff. Yeah, a little fluffy boy. Mm. Oh, those peanut butter fluff are so good. Don't get me going, but I, <laughs> you know it before you. Did know I it, tell you? Did what? I tell you I ordered a a box of those chips? Yeah, you know that's my Christmas the, the bonus. Funky fusion, the, the funky fusion chips. I ordered a box of those chips. Yeah, but and then Chad Chad Claus didn't come. I got I got nothing. No no chips in the mail. Nothing. I was a little sad on Christmas last year. Maybe this year I'll 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 see what I can hook you up. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, no, but I don't have to now. You got to hook up. Always. You, you, your your buddy can go in there and grab all those funky fusion chips that he wants. I'll send them to you, and I'll send them to Dave. How about that, Dave? Works, you, are, are you a are you a salt and vinegar guy, Dave? Big time. Oh, you will love these chips. Big time, probably. You will love these chips. Of straight up regular, just like regular potato chips. That's probably my favorite. Uh, well, they're. Do you call it flavor variety? Like they're well, but they're not straight like oil and vinegar or salt and vinegar. There's like five other flavors all mixed into one, but you can definitely tell they're like oil and vinegar chips uh, mixed. Are with they some like other a stuff. Uh, kettle cooked variety? Yes. Oh, yes. even better. Even better. <laughs> I'll, straight, I'll send you straight to my heart and my arteries. Love Dave, it. Dave, I found on Amazon, you could get these chips. You could get like the, the, the good size bags, not the little mini bags, the good size bags. You get a box of 25 chips for $23. 25 bags of chips? Yeah, for $23. I, I can't do it, man. I'm, I'm, on a, <laughs> a, I'm on a big weight loss kick right now. I, that would you be, don't have to eat them all at once. That's the thing. Is like, if they're, if they're there, if they're there, I would have them like every night. It would be – because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a salty over-sweets guy. So, yeah, me too. Me too. Chips and, and pretzels and all that jazz is that's not good for me. And it's all it's all carbs. I'm trying to get, you know, trying to get down to my former fighting weight. And <laughs> we all have our vices, Dave. My, my first dri my first driver's license pick weight. You know, we're we're trying to get there. So we can't all be perfect. No. But those chips were those chips were awesome. 
we've worked a lot of food talk back in today. We've gotten away from it for a little while, uh, but we've definitely gotten a lot of food talk back in today. <laughs> Brent, thanks, brother. We appreciate it, man. We will have you back on throughout the season to, uh, to get your perspective from the press box. No doubt. No doubt. I'm glad to be on. Glad to be on in the future. You guys are the best. And I'll see you on a Saturday, Chad. And, you kind. And, and maybe, maybe we'll let, I want I want to hear from the people. What okay. would the people think? What would the people think if we expanded the BCJ network and gave Brent his own podcast? Woo. Woo. Christmas coming early. I, I I wonder I want to hear from the people what the people would think. We've got a new addition. We added Aaron Smith. Do, do, does uh, that mean like we get to be special guests on that podcast? We could be if he was if he invited us. It would be his show. Like we could do like a a gambling a segment. Ooh, we could. Well, I could tell you who to lose all your money on. Yes, um, which is what we, you did successfully at times last year, but we won't talk about that. No, but I, I yeah. we, Brent and I have been talking about this. I, I, I would like to get Brent's, Brent's like me uh, in that he came up in the broadcasting side of things. And uh, he, he's podcasted before. He's very good at it. And uh, I would like to expand the network by a show potentially. So I'm interested in what the people think. Would you, sure. would you want an additional podcast in the BCJ network with Brent, potentially Aaron Smith, who is uh, a co-host of the Pardon the Punctuation podcast that covers uh, the sports scene here in Cincinnati. But it would be, a obviously, a UC-centric podcast with maybe some, some additional, like, expanded college football talk, uh, whatever Brent's vision of this thing would be. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Just as long as we're not, like, duplicating ourselves. No, I don't, it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be a, a show I'm not just saying that, like, like me like our weekly football podcast people just wouldn't want to listen right yeah right well i we wouldn't be involved so it would be, it would be yeah. brent's baby and brent would uh brent would drive the bus on that so let me know in the comments on the uh the article or, or on twitter or whatever uh if you're ready for an additional podcast in the bcj sports network with brent young Boom. i think they i think they will so get ready get ready Heck of a pitch, Chad. Heck of a All pitch. All right. See you, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, man. That's Brent Young joining us today to talk about uh, his excellent position preview series, ranking each position. I thought that was I thought that was an awesome series, personally. It's very good. It's very good. And it was it was fun, and, and it wasn't like you know. I was thinking. You know what makes it fun is when your what? team is really good and deep. Yeah. <laughs> If what you're coming stink? off a three-win season and you're like, yeah, this one guy is good, and then these other guys I don't know anything about, and we're just going to put them at two, three, four, and five because uh, they all stink. And uh, for their freshmen or transfers, like, yeah, that's not fun. Or when you've got no – like your corners are all terrible and you're putting like the fourth safety ahead of the second corner, like, look, yeah. he's better than him. What can I say? All right, well, we saved this part for last because, I, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot to say. Uh, Cincinnati, Austin P. Um, Cincinnati should, should win this. I mean, there's probably going to be a little bit of rust early just because they haven't played a game. Austin P's played two games. Um, but they should find their footing pretty early in this one. And, and Austin P 
not good. Yeah, they're, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you look at, again, in these strange times, is this is going to be their third game Yeah. versus UC's first. So I, we're not saying that that's going to, like, make the talent level any closer. But it could – I mean, UC could just be a, play a sloppier game because they're – haven't done the things that Austin P has done two weeks already and had the time right. to review film and correct issues and things like that. But if, you know, if we're just breaking down the game as it is, it's, I mean, they're, they were a good FCS team last year. They went to the playoff, but I don't know if they lost a bunch of guys, if the, if the coaching situation that they had to go through at the end of the summer, which was pretty uh, strange, they're just not – I mean, they have not played well. They're own too, obviously. Um, their quarterback has not completed 50% of his passes in either game. They – against Pitt, who has a very good defense, a very good defensive line just like you see, they ran the ball 21 times for eight yards. Yep, I said that. 21 carries for eight yards. Good luck to them against this UC defense. Hit through the ball. It was 42 nothing at halftime. They mutually agreed to either – I don't know which one. With which they, cut, they, they cut five minutes off the clock. They went to ten-minute quarter. quarters. I thought maybe they had running clocks. They may have had both. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they had a agreed-upon shortening of the second half. Uh, pit through for a ton of yards, which that kind of surprised me. They weren't – I didn't think they were that type of team. I mean, they – but yeah, it's you're gonna you're gonna see something probably similar to what you saw last week. Maybe we'll give predictions here shortly. But this is definitely a get everybody comfortable, get everybody adjusted, and then get everybody out type of game. Are uh, what's the Simone family plan? Are you are you? Well, still I'm gonna going be. To- I'm going to be in Michigan playing golf. Um, So I don't know what my mom and aunt are doing. I think they might be going to my parents' house. I think they've decided this year they're going to be basically tailgating, watch partying at each other's places or something. I don't know. Are are you going to be part of that, like, when you're available or? At some point? I don't know. Maybe. I haven't. (laughs) Are, are you going to go, like, to the tailgate and then go home to watch the game? No, not not typically. It depends. What, it might depend on what game it is. I do not <laughs> I do not like to watch games uh, in Big public games. for sure. And then I don't even really like to watch games in large gatherings of people that even that I know. I'm, I'm much more into just watching it by myself. I mean, but it, it would be like your mom and your dad and your aunt. Like, oh, I know, I still do that. There's not going to be 20 people there. Oh, there could there? They, well, they could have more more of their UC fan friends over. I don't know. I mean, I watched the entire second half of the '09 Pit game by myself in my bedroom, and that's pretty much why they won. <laughs> <laughs> so, it wasn't Marty like, Gilliard. It wasn't Tony like Pye. Twenty people in our basement. You know, I just ran down to get beers every time I needed them, and then just went right back up to my room. So <laughs> I, I have a few superstitions, um, to say the least. But yeah, I don't know. It's. I mean, I'm. 
Unfortunately, I certainly won't be going to the Holy Grail. No, I mean, you don't need to be in public. Not because I don't want to, but they don't ever win when I do. So I'm. Well, they, 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 they struggled when you went to, to Tass. And maybe the Holy Grail is different. They lost to Temple. Oh, yeah. It's the only time I've ever gone, I think. Yeah, at Tass. Yeah, I'm saying like that's the only time I think I didn't, I didn't go to any of them last year. We don't know what your, your record is like at the Holy Grail. No, Maybe that's you're... true. That's true. Although, no, actually, I do know what my record is like at the Holy Grail. I watched the Rutgers game, the game after Calaris broke his leg against West Virginia when Munchie started and we lost that game. I watched that at the Holy Grail. <laughs> that's why you don't go out in the first place. Right, that's what, that's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> well, just because Dave doesn't go to the Holy Grail, you should. No, everyone else should. I mean, for sure. Get the fire marshal called on you. Get the health inspector. Pack the <laughs> no. <laughs> there are social distancing rules and regulations followed by the folks at the Holy Grail. Have your party with you. Be ready to take your seat. Don't be up milling around. Stay with your people, stay with your crew, and watch the game at the Holy Grail. Get you some Reuben wontons and uh, have a couple beers. Kelly, Kelly is a fan of the blueberry. She, she likes fishing the blueberry out of her cup. What are, what are you looking to see in a game that should not be competitive? I want to see the passing game uh, at least set a tone for the season. I know, you know, obviously it's going to be a lot different. Uh, when you're playing better opponents, right? But, I but, see them. but if it doesn't, if it doesn't look any different right. against an FCS team, it doesn't bode well. For and I, again, it's the first game. Well, you can you can struggle yeah. and and not and and turn things well, around. We're not expecting I, I, like a, you know, never be stopped and just right down the field every single time. And but I would also say like we've watched a couple times, especially I don't know four or five six years ago uh, where they came out and struggled against an FCS team that wasn't very good. And it absolutely was a, uh, a premonition of things to come, a preview yeah. of things to come. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't think we're going to have that problem. I, I think the main thing, like this is a veteran team. This is a team right. that has taken everything uh, insanely serious. This is a team that a lot of guys that want to want to play their senior year, right? A team with a lot of guys that have a chip on their shoulder and have something to prove, and and you know it's it, it's it, it's interesting. And, and, and Justin and Mo mentioned this in the piece that they did today, and I, I fully agree with it. It's very rare that you have a team that goes you know eleven and three and has a chip on their shoulder. But this team didn't win the AAC last year. And they had it in their grasp and, and, and couldn't close the deal. So you have a team that is hungry for something. And I think they look to get out there and, and, and really get things rolling pretty quickly. Um, even if it takes a drive or two uh, on either side of the ball to kind of, you know, kickstart the process like I fully expect this is a team that's 
that that's going to hit its stride fairly quickly. I would I would agree. I mean, you just you know whether they want to come out and and sling it or just kind of at the beginning of the game just go we're just going to get behind our massive offensive line and with our running backs and just kind of move it down the field that way. Um, it's just I mean it's a like just like last week it's it's not it's a mismatch. It's, you know. If if they want to be balanced, like if they truly are looking, and the number Denbrock has used is they're looking at 250 yards a game passing, you better come out and and get it on tape and work on some things, even if it's not the yeah you ha- you have to be able to have something to review and right. I think they should just throw the ball every play in the first quarter, run it every play in the second quarter, and then do the do the opposite again in the third and fourth quarter. Okay. Should I should I make a couple calls and let people know that that's yeah. okay? Yeah. I'll see what I can do. Why not? I mean, see what happens. We're gonna we're gonna hold off on the predictions on this oh, show. Oh, that's right. We have we have all we have all sorts of new stuff coming out. Yeah, uh, we're on Fridays. We're gonna have a staff prediction article. So me, Dave, Carrie, and Eric are in. Brent is in. Um, I still got to talk to Drew and Aaron, uh, but we could have up to seven of us and, and Brett, if he wants in and feels like playing along. Um, even Jeff Gentle, it, it, open invitation to Jeff, if he would like to as well. Um, we could have up to eight, nine people uh, predicting uh, the, the games this year, but that's the, so we're not going to, we're not going to put a prediction here this season. So we're going we're gonna to tell you how we feel about the game. We're going to talk about the game. And then we'll predict the game uh, at a, at there, a later is there like a, are we? Is there a metric we're using to determine a predictor champion? We can. If you would like to track the predictions, you can determine. No, I, don't really, I don't really want to. I mean, it's your idea. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, if you want to keep a, a spreadsheet, I don't know if you're a spreadsheet guy. I'm the anti-spreadsheet guy. Yeah, I don't like them either. So uh, I just got a do. I just got a doozy in my inbox just now for all the golfers out there. A buddy of mine does a ma- a majors pool. Yeah, and he is so he's got these things so locked in that they the spreadsheet leaderboard updates in real time. Yeah, I think you told me about that last year. Yeah, it's – I mean, I'm like, that's so far above where, where I'm at. But it's awesome. That guy needs something to do with his free time. Oh, he's a he's – a, uh, he's a CPA. He's finishing business taxes today and still fired this thing out. <laughs> Seek help, sir. Seek help. <laughs> all right, well, that's all I got. You got anything else? No, I'll uh, I'll be watching the game from uh, the shores of northern Michigan this weekend. That's about it. That sounds exciting. Yeah, a couple couple rounds of golf. I've been uh, a couple courses I've been itching to play for a long time. So, well, you have yourself a hell of a time, David. I'm I'm going to much <laughs> much deserved. 
and uh, make sure they've got ESPN Plus wherever you're staying. Yeah, I think we're working that out actually right now. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to Brent Young for coming on. Excellent stuff from him. And uh, looking forward to, uh, to, to get his first preview for Austin P. I I think, uh, I think Wednesday he said he's going to he's going to get it over to me. So we'll get the word counter going, but he's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Bearcats take the field on Saturday. The watch party of course is at the Holy Grail banks. So we will see you there. And uh, until next time, when we take a look at potentially a top 25 matchup in the, uh, in the, in the prime slot on either ABC or ESPN, the Bearcats and Army, 3.30 next week. So we will get to that in a week, and we'll review what we saw as the Bearcats take on the Govnas. The Govnas this Saturday. Football's back, Dave. Woo! We'll see you next time. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. It's the BCJ Podcast. Brought to you by the Holy Grail on BearcatJournal.com.